Now, the mystery of God has been revealed if we understand who Jesus Christ is as God and ask him to come into our life. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We discover the 66 books of the Bible telling us the truth about God in three minutes. We're going to study Ephesians chapter 3. It's going to be a great one. Stay there. Corey? Well, like you said, we are in Ephesians today, which was originally a letter written to the Christian church at Ephesus. So we're going to be taking a look at the city of Ephesus today. Ryan? Today, I'm going to be exploring some of the metaphors that Paul uses in Ephesians to describe the church. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting. Look forward to that. And Janice? Today, Christ, our cornerstone. All right, very good. So take your Bible guide out. They're coming up in about 15 minutes. Janice is coming up in 17 minutes. I'm in three. Let's study what God is doing because God is speaking to us right now. Ephesians 3, 1 through 10. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mysteries, as I have briefly written already, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Ephesians chapter 3 and 4 on this Monday. What a great day to continue reading the Bible. Now, the great mystery of God's grace, the glory of his dominion, and the wonder of his love has not kept for the Jews only. Really? Absolutely true. Paul the Apostle told us through the Holy Spirit that God had planned from the beginning that he would make it available for everyone who trusted in the work of Christ Jesus to become part of his glorious kingdom. I mean, this is incredible. This means that we can all become children of God if we choose to follow him. This is what Paul is explaining in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 3, 10 to 12, Paul continues, to the intent 
that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Did you hear that? In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ is involved in explaining to the world how great and majestic he is through the church he created that he bought with his own blood. Isn't that fascinating? We get into this teaching in the, in the New Testament. These are wonderful scriptures. And I want to tell you something. Uh, when we look at them, we have to understand what God is saying to us. And so uh, we'll take your Bible guide and turn to Ephesians chapter three. And if you don't have a Bible guide, here we go again. I'm going to ask the same question I always ask. Why not? Call us or write to us or go to Bible Discovery TV. One time it took me about 30 times of a guy telling me on television to do something before I finally did it. And then when I did it, it's one of the best things I ever did. Anyway, uh, so we need to get on the mailing list to receive the Bible guide so that in the new year, you get all the new material that we're preparing and already have prepared and all that stuff. So it's really, really something. Anyway, we're talking about the great mystery. And as we do so, let's pray. Father in Jesus' wonderful name, I pray today that we, as we study the word of God about who you are and about your mystery, teach us here. I'm going to ask it again, Lord, teach us your way. Show us your path in the midst of this world, which is falling apart. Help us to stand firm on you, on faith in you, Lord, because you are not falling apart. You never have and you never will. Human beings and all of our systems do. But when we come to you, we all come back together, Lord. You are the reason that we have stability. And Father, I pray today that we would see that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Now watch this. This is something. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Here is what the Bible says. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, the mystery. Verse four, by which... When you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit, capital S, to his holy apostles and prophets. What? The mystery of God has been revealed to all through the good news of Christ given to both Jews and Gentiles. As the church, we must live our lives in obedience to the Lord. This is what Paul's getting at. He's saying, when you live your life in obedience to God, this is what he's able to say. This is how he's able to do the work. This is how he teaches people who he is. That becomes really important. Now, as we focus on that, we need to understand that the mystery which God had displayed to all the prophets and everybody has been revealed to everybody who follows the word of God and follows Christ. 
The mystery is no longer a mystery if we trust in the Lord through faith. That's interesting, isn't it? All right, Ephesians chapter three, verse six. Here we go. He continues and he says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. What? The Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the good news of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Do you realize that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? Jew and Gentile alike, everyone. God is not limited by ethnic group or color. <laughs> I like to say this because a lot of people talk to me and they say, well, you don't talk much about race. And I, and I say, well, where is it? Well, you know, race, race. I say, yeah, where is it? Not in the Bible. There's, there's no races. We're all human beings. Black, red, green, yellow, white. We're human beings, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you, we're all human. So there's no race. And that's a lot of people will get upset with me. But, but I don't believe in creating divisions. I believe in reading the word and following our unity. Very important. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Who was Middle Eastern, by the way? Jewish. Isn't that interesting? And he died for the sins of all the world so that everybody could come to know him. This is God's kingdom. Wow. All right, let's go back to Ephesians chapter three, verse eight. It's wonderful. Watch this. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul is a former Pharisee, okay? The unsearchable riches of Christ, verse nine, and to make all see what the fellow, what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers of the heavenly places. What? A part of heaven on earth is what the Lord has given those who belong to him, his church. It's the Lord. It's a connection with God, the spiritual connection. One day, we will be freed from the suffering and the troubles on this earth. Let me tell you, one day, things will be very different than they are now. There'll be no more trouble. And there'll be a kingdom. And the head of the kingdom will be the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody will know it. And one day, we will serve him with great, unbelievable praise and worship because of what he saved us from all of the mess that we have on this earth. This is a really good thing to remember if you're a Christian in Jesus Christ. If you're not, come to the Lord and ask him to forgive you of your sin. Be the Lord of your life because that's very important. And he will do so in Jesus' name. And let's remember that as we continue. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on 
Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. All right, so as promised, we're gonna be taking a look at the city of Ephesus today because we find ourselves in the New Testament book of Ephesians, which of course was originally written in the format of a letter to the Christian church at the city of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is a really interesting place because this isn't the only time it shows up in the New Testament. It actually shows up in several different ways. Um, and Ephesus was a capital city of a province, of a Roman province. So let's just jump right in and see what we can learn how Ephesus interacts interacts uh, with the New Testament. The Roman city of Ephesus appears many times on the pages of the New Testament of the Bible and in different ways. Ephesus was visited twice by the Apostle Paul, who for his second visit stayed for the unusually long period of two and a half years. From Ephesus, Paul wrote Philippians, Philemon, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and possibly Galatians and Colossians. John, the author of Revelation, possibly wrote his work at Ephesus as well. The book of Ephesians was addressed directly to Christians living in Ephesus. 1st and 2nd Timothy were written to Timothy, whom Paul had left as a teacher in Ephesus. And Ephesus is one of the seven churches spoken to at the beginning of Revelation. After the time of the Apostles, Ephesus continued to be important in the early church. It's believed that here, the Gospels may have first been grouped together in a bundle for convenient circulation. There's an early Christian tradition that claims the Apostle John and Mary, the mother of Jesus, chose Ephesus as their last earthly home. When looking at the history of Ephesus, it makes sense that Paul chose to spend a significant amount of time there. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, he claims that a wide door for ministry had been opened for him there. Ephesus was the capital city of the Roman province of Asia Minor, and as such, was the residence of a Roman governor and the subject of imperial building and upkeep. It was a major port city that controlled sea and land trade and travel routes, and therefore had a constant stream of travelers and merchants. This was enhanced by its famous temple to the goddess Artemis Diana, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Not only would this temple have attracted many religious pilgrims, but the commercial industry around it also, at least once, caused a major riot due to Christianity's disrupting influence. Ephesus was also a center of emperor worship and hosted its own Olympic Games. Intellectually, Ephesus attracted scholars and philosophers. It had a reputation for scholarship that would culminate after Paul's time in the famous two-story Library of Celsus. Ephesus was in a strategic location that facilitated Christian missions. There was a constant multicultural flow of people, religious pilgrims, and scholars and philosophers to evangelize. It's no wonder that Paul stayed to work in Ephesus and then left his trusted friend Timothy to continue the work. Today, the city of Ephesus is one of the most archaeologically excavated and preserved sites of the Roman world, largely because it was abandoned in history. Its ancient ruins are not covered with a modern city. In the 3rd century AD, the city suffered major damage from an earthquake that wasn't sufficiently repaired until the late 4th century by a Christian emperor. The city lasted until it was ravaged by a fire in the early 7th century, leaving it largely abandoned. When its harbor finally silted up in the 9th century, it was abandoned wholesale, leaving it a place of Christian pilgrimage.
So again, when we take a look at the history of Ephesus and, and how it how it was in the first century AD, it makes a lot of strategic sense that Paul would spend a significant time attempting to build a Christian stronghold here. It makes a lot of sense why he would leave Timothy here to be an elder and an overseer over the church at Ephesus because it was such a critical location uh, for ministry and for outreach to the entire region. Yeah, very, very interesting. And uh, as we continue to study this, it's going to get more interesting getting closer to Revelation. So I look forward to that, Corey. Very good. Excellent. Ryan. Okay, so since we are in the book of Ephesians today, I want to talk about the church, because one of the things that Paul does in this letter is describe the church using various metaphors. And he uses at least five metaphors. And these comparisons are really helpful for his readers to grasp the concept of what it means to be a part of God's church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's study. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul the Apostle describes the church of the Lord Jesus Christ using several metaphors. First of all, he pictures the church politically in Ephesians 2, 11-22 as a commonwealth or an independent community that embodies the reconciliation of two former hostile ethnic groups, namely the Jews and the Gentiles, who are now called together to stand up against evil spiritual powers. In former times, the Gentiles were separate from Christ and thus were excluded from citizenship in Israel and were foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, says Paul, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Secondly, Paul pictures the church as a household, a household in which God is the Father and believers are adopted as his children through Jesus Christ. Indeed, Paul declares in Ephesians 1.5 and 2.19 that God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, and that we are members of God's household. Paul also pictures the church as a temple in Ephesians 2.20-22, a holy temple filled with the presence of God and built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. The church he also refers to as a body in Ephesians 4 and 5, a body whose head is Christ. As a body, the different members of the church are dependent on one another and exemplify the necessity of unity in diversity. As the body of Christ, the church depends on Christ for its growth and submits to his headship. Interestingly, this introduction of Christ as the head of the church is a distinctive contribution of Ephesians and Colossians. Lastly, Paul in Ephesians 5, 23-32 refers to the church as a bride. Drawing on the Old Testament depiction of Israel as the bride of Yahweh, the church is also portrayed as the bride of Christ. He cares, feeds, and sanctifies the church in order that he might present it to himself as radiant, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. As his wife, the church submits to Christ. Hence, Paul metaphorically describes the church as a commonwealth, a household, a temple, a body, and a bride. These images serve as an important reminder to his readers, both past and present, that the church is the family of God and must not be divided, but rather united as one and stand in light and truth and in opposition to the evil one. So Paul metaphorically describes the church in five ways. First, as a commonwealth, then as a household, as a temple, a body, and a bride. 
And you know, I believe that one of the main tactics that Satan uses is to divide and conquer. Satan knows very well how powerful the church is when it's united. So creating division in it weakens it. But Paul's teaching on the church in Ephesians should really remind all of us of who and what we're meant to be. We're not to quibble over the little things. We're a family. Yes, as believers, we're going to have disagreements with each other sometimes, but we shouldn't divide over these things. Rather, we need to stand and unite together as one unit against the evil one in truth and the light of Jesus Christ. And speaking of light, another thing is that too often we let the world invade the church when it should be the church that's invading the world. We need to be the light and not let the world snuff it out. The, the very, very important words. I, I'm reminded of the time when we sat around the dinner table and uh, years ago, I'm talking about years ago, 20 years ago, and we would have discussions on faith. And Brandon was there too. He's controlling uh, the control room right now. But uh, and it, we would talk and we would get in discussions. And they were there were times when it was intense between you and Corey and intense in what I said, intense in what you said. But we never ever in our minds had it that, well, we'll just go do our own thing. Mm -hmm. We never had that option. That's right. We had to be a family. And the church is a family. And it yeah. is the children of God. That's the church. Very, very good. Excellent work. Okay, Janice. Well, that goes in line with Christ, our cornerstone, is what I wanted to bring up here. I'm taking a look at Ephesians chapter 3, but the few verses just that go into uh, just before 3 talks about Christ being our cornerstone. And Paul says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And this is talking about us growing as one, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, with him being the head of the church. He goes on and he talks about the mystery being revealed, that which is the gospel of Christ. And towards the end of that chapter, he prays for the believers in Ephesus and us too today for the inner power that comes from the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit in the hearts of believers to be strengthened, rooted, and filled with the work of God. And uh, I want to read that. And then he ends with this glory to God's majestic abilities. It's just an amazing way for this chapter to end. And I know you heard it earlier on. Actually, no, you didn't. We went to verse 10. So let me read this portion for you today. This is Ephesians 3, verses 14 through to 21. Here we go. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, 
to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, the church is not just for now. The church, the body of believers is not just for now, Rod. It is forever. This body of believers. The, the, the interesting thing is that the church has been before us. Now, God sees time. He created time. He sees the beginning of time and the end of time. We don't see that because we were, in, we're confined in time. Mm-hmm. But all of the church in the past, all of the people who believed in Jesus Christ in the past, they were all a part of our family, even though we didn't get a chance to know them at the time. So that means that the life we have now is simply a flash. And the life we're going to have in the future, we're going to meet all of those people. And I mean, that's a big family reunion. That is I have no idea. That's dinner around the table. That's a big dinner. That's a marriage supper, the lamb dinner. That's what that is. Uh, That is huge. Now, when we take our mind and begin to understand that, we realize what it means when God says, it's time for you to focus on eternity with God Mm -hmm. and not focus on the... So so when when we live in this world and we focus on eternity, we have to understand that, okay, God, Teach me your way and show me your path. And then to let his light shine through us. Through us. So that we can build that kingdom of God. Absolutely. That we can make that family reunion as big as possible. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the idea. And the more people who come to Jesus Christ, they become our brothers and our sisters. Now, I, I'm not, we, nobody has all the answers for everything. We have the Bible and the Bible teaches us and we have to learn from the Bible. We don't come up with our own ideas and then apply them. But we read the Bible and the Bible teaches us. And as we learn the Bible and we understand it and we say the 66 books by the 40 authors are all telling me this, then we we come together and we, we compare it out. But we don't ever bring our own ideas into the church successfully. So that's really important. And that's what we need to remember. Are you going to get the Bible guide next month? You've already got December's, but next month, that's a real good question. Because if you are not, then you're going to miss it for January. Don't miss the January Bible guide. That's very important. Get on the list. Call us, write us, go to Bible Discovery TV. That's very important. Now, let's pray. Lord, I pray to understand and to follow your work as I live in this world, because I'm in the world but I'm not of the world. Help me to live the way you want me to. In Jesus' name, amen.